You are listening to a sermon of Cornerstone UIC, a gospel-centered community on mission for our campus. Play that real fast. I don't know what you guys did over break, but this is what Eliana and Joshua discovered. They discovered that our lobby is the most fun place to hang out. We just played a lot of peekaboo games with each other. He loves that. And just say, where's Joshua? He's always right in front of you. He's always right there. <laughs> and then they start talking to the random person who comes on in. So everyone who comes into our apartment is not created by Joshua and Eliana, kind of going like this. <laughs> she doesn't understand. Yes. So this is a pretty daily activity for us right now. Please come and join us. This is only a mile away from here. Less than a mile away. About a mile away. You you can walk, come hang out with us anytime at our house. A little unfortunate news, though, was that uh, two days ago, Eliana was playing with a guy, a little boy, a couple years older than her. She shouldn't be playing with boys a couple years older than her. And this little guy ended up hitting her, and she ended up falling into some blocks. Aww. Look at her! Guys, look at that little Eliana! So, yeah, that was a very frightening moment. Um, that's her at the doctor's office. We had to rush her to the ER. And so, um, not the ER, the uh, urgent care, which felt like the ER. I, I couldn't focus on anything. All day. I feel like I'm good at crisis moments, but honestly, when Eliana goes down, I'm like, I can't. I literally couldn't do anything. Sarah was making fun of me the entire time. <laughs> so, but anyways, that has nothing to do with our message today. I just didn't have a fun intro, and I utilized the one thing I feel like I always can, which is my adorably cute children, in my, in my estimation. Um, but we are beginning a series on, does anyone know what we're starting today? All right, does anyone want to say that with a little bit more gusto? What, does anyone know what we're starting today? Yes! Oh, let's go, let's go, all right. If this is, uh, I'm so thankful that many of us here come from different places in our reading of the Bible. And so I just want to explain a little bit of what the book of Acts is. It's a second part to a larger book, uh, and the first book is Luke. Nailed it. Is there a way to turn this down a little bit too, Zach? You're the man. You're the man. Um, and do you know who wrote Luke? Awesome. He's also who wrote Acts. So Acts is written by a man named Luke. And Luke wrote this to a guy named Theophilus. Right? It means friend of God or something close like that. And he writes this. He's probably a patron in uh, the time who he's basically writing to, he has a detailed and orderly account, is what he says in the biography to Luke. I want to write a very historically reliable account of all that Jesus did. And in this second book, he says, in the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up. So I want to recap a little bit of Luke, if we're going to understand and go through Acts all semester. By the way, does anyone know someone named Theophilus? Do you guys know I know someone named Theophilus? Wow, I know. It's actually uh, Sarah's best friend from college who named her son Theophilus Patronus Felker. Yes. 
<laughs> a combination of the Bible and Harry Potter, <laughs> and many syllables. Theophilus, Patronus, Daltrey. It's like five days younger, actually, than Josh and Ellie, so it's fun when they get to hang out. But here's the thing. It's a two-part book written to Theophilus from Luke, and it's all about Jesus and all about the kingdom of God. So can I recap a little bit of what's going on in Luke for us? Yeah. Amen. Okay, so we see immediately in the book of Luke that a king is coming, that this anointed one who's been prophesied about is coming, but what we see is that it's an unexpected king. For this king is coming to an unexpected woman who's going to be his mother in a nobody town, really from a nobody place, and this is what Mary prophesies when she is with child, with Jesus, she says, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Now, this is actually incredibly important if we're going to understand that Luke is all about the kingdom of God, right? That Luke actually says in the first book of Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. What Jesus began to do was began to bring the kingdom of God. And what he began to teach was teaching the kingdom of God. And right from the get-go, we see that the kingdom of God is unexpected. And what the kingdom of God is, is it's bringing down the mighty from their thrones, and it's exalting those of humble estate. What the kingdom does is it brings down the mighty and exalts those of humble estate. And we begin to learn more about what the kingdom of God is. Because, see, what the people uh, in uh, Jerusalem and Judea and the surrounding area, the Jewish people at that time, were longing for a king. See, it's hard for us to understand this, but they actually had, in all of their culture, this desire to have a king who would rescue them from oppression. At that time, they were actually under the Roman rule, and so they were longing for a king who would violently overthrow the Roman Empire and give them the freedom to be able to fully live into their own land and establish their own political peace. They wanted a king who would be exalted, who would exalt them with him, and who they could fully have be for them. The king they wanted, how they wanted, when they wanted, the way they wanted. That was the kingdom they wanted. It was an exalted king. And Jesus is all about taking the exalted and humbling and exalting the humble. Jesus says this, by the way, about the kingdom that he's actually bringing. He says, it's like a mustard seed. Right? What shall I compare the kingdom of God? This is Luke 13. But what shall I compare it? It's like a mustard seed. He says this. He says, it's a man took, put in his garden, and it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the sky lodged in its branches. Okay, I want you to hear that again. Really get it, that the kingdom of God, when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's a mustard seed. Meaning that it starts really small and insignificant. Has anyone seen a mustard tree? Okay, neither have I. I have no idea where they're grown. I know nothing about them, except for that they're really big, right? It starts so small. It's small and seemingly insignificant in its beginnings, and yet it's breathtaking in its finality. And in the same way, the kingdom of God is about the humble being slowly and in the right time exalted. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's keep going through the book of Luke, because actually in Luke 6, this is why Jesus actually says, blessed are the poor and woe to the rich. What, he, what he's saying is, the poor can actually have eyes to see what this king is like and what this kingdom is like. That on a future day, it will be raised up into a glorious 
new creation, even though it's insignificant. Now, we're the exalted in this current age won't actually even be able to see it because they're still looking for a king in their exact way of what they want and how they want and when they want. And so it's this flip that is coming. And we, we see this actually seen most right when Jesus, who is this king, goes to the place where he exalts himself. Right? The way that you would expect a king to exalt himself is riding up on an enormous horse with a massive army and overthrowing another army. But what Jesus does is he goes to Jerusalem and he exalts himself by being raised onto a tree, being raised onto a cross, and literally dying. And there's two other people who are actually being crucified with Jesus. Two people who are justly being killed while Jesus is innocently suffering. And in many ways, what they say represents all of what is happening in the kingdom of God in the book of Luke. Does anyone know what one of them says? You guys know. You know Chris. Uh, <laughs> says this, if you're really the son of God, send your angels, come down, rescue yourself and us. Do you guys hear what he's saying? He's saying, I want the exalted king. I want the king on my terms. I want the king to come in great power now. How I want. Exalt yourself out of this cross. If you're the king, then act like a king. And save me now. But another thief on the cross says something different. What does he say? He says, Jesus, remember me when you have come into your kingdom. What he's saying is, Jesus, you're the king. And you've got a kingdom, your way, your time, your way of doing it. Do you know what Jesus says to him? Josh knows it, but he's smiling. He's smiling. He doesn't want to say, he says, truly you will be with me today in paradise. Do you guys see what happened there? The person who wanted the king in the high place was humbled. And the humble person who said, Jesus, your kingdom, your way, your place, is exalted in paradise with Jesus. This is what the kingdom of God is. In fact, in the Gospel of John, actually, it's recorded that Jesus says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. And so what we see is that Jesus actually literally went to the cross and died. But it was actually necessary that he died so that a new life could be born. Literally, that he rose from the dead and he defeated death. And what happens then in the rest of the Gospel of Luke is that he goes and, and shows everyone after he's living, breathing, new creation, after he has risen from the dead, he goes and he shows everyone this is what the Messiah must do. This is the king you should have been expecting from the beginning. Because if you actually look at all these foretellings, all these prophecies written about who this king would be, it's showing that he actually has to humble himself first, that he has to suffer and die first because of the sins of the people. And it's through his suffering and through his death that actually new life and the kingdom can come. And then what happens is Jesus, after showing and telling many people and showing his reality, ascends. He literally is floating up to go 
and to have a winter is a weird concept for us, but, but actually what, what that's more showing and Luke is showing is that that's him taking his right place as king over all the earth. And that's what the book of Luke is all about. It's what Jesus began to do and to teach. So what's Acts all about? It's what Jesus continues to do and to teach. Right? Luke 24 and Acts 1 actually cover the same territory. It's after Jesus rose from the dead and before he ascended to the Father. And they both explain kind of what's happening. Luke really shows that he's showing everyone this is who the king was. This is who you should have been expecting the whole time. And actually shows that what he's explaining is the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God is really like. This is the kingdom that you can belong into. And both of them, he's saying, there's this spirit that's coming that you're going to receive something from. Wait for the spirit. Wait for the spirit that is coming. But see, the book of Luke is all about Jesus. And the book of Acts is all about Jesus. The book of Luke is all about the kingdom of God. And the book of Acts starts talking about the kingdom of God. And the last, actually, chapter speaks about the kingdom of God, Acts chapter 28. Right? But what's the difference? The watershed moment is what they both have, Luke 24 and Acts 1, is they both have the ascension. Because Luke is all about Jesus' ministry while he was on earth walking around. And Acts is about Jesus' ministry as he is reigning as king, ruling over all things. And him bringing the kingdom of God that way. But what we see in Acts is that right away, again, the disciples still don't quite get it. The disciples who have always been wanting for a king to come their way, in their timetable, with their desires, to meet their purposes, still are trying to get an exalted king and not recognizing the mustard seed Messiah. This is what they say. They say, right in Acts, that divine favor read, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Right, you, you've got to give the disciples a little credit because typically in the book of Luke, they don't ask questions. They just tell Jesus, like, hey, stop saying these weird things about the kingdom. Be this big, exalted, awesome guy. But what they're saying is, hey, are you going to be this really big, awesome guy now? Like, is now the time? So at least there's a little timidity in their voice. But they still don't get what the kingdom is. They still don't get who Jesus is. And this is what he says. He says, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And as they are looking at him, then he begins to ascend, floating up to reign as king. And they're kind of like, what, what? They're just, like, Jesus just started floating? I mean, he's done a lot of crazy things, he hasn't floated yet. And as they're amazed at his floatingness, two angels come by and say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? Which, for the record, I will be looking up in the floating Jesus in heaven. <laughs> they say, this Jesus, who is going up to the Father, he's going to come back in the same way. So get out of work, right? They don't say that, but they imply that. Get out of your work. 
Go on and do what Jesus has told you. Okay, so if Acts is all about Jesus, if Acts is all about bringing the kingdom of God, how is Jesus bringing the kingdom of God in Acts? Did you hear it? He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He said, you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And the angel said, he'll come back. Do you hear what's going on there? So Jesus is showing how he's bringing the kingdom of God past, present, and future. He says, you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. You'll literally give the historical testimony of what I have done and why that's significant. You'll witness to me and what I have done in the past. And that's how the kingdom of God is going to come because of what I've done in the past. You'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit in the very presence, the Spirit of Jesus. God's own presence will fill you. And it's all in the expectation that this Jesus who ascended to heaven will imminently return and will restore all things perfectly. Let's go back to the mustard seed analogy. Let's go back to the seed that falls to the ground and dies. We have to get this right. If, if a seed falls to the ground, it has to first die before it can bear new life. And so Jesus went to the cross and died, and it was through that that he then rose from the dead for the first time in a new resurrected body, bearing up new life. And in his ascension, he reigned and ruled. It's almost like the plant comes out of the ground at that moment, and he promises then that the Holy Spirit will come upon all who believe, that they'll be joined into this plant, and that the, literally the Spirit will be like this, this living of water that will feed this plant. Just stick with me on the plant analogy, guys. I'm not going out of the Bible. And, and it will feed this plant, and that maybe there'll be a scorching sun, and maybe there'll be weeds that will try to mess with this plant, but the Holy Spirit will sustain and give it life, and one day Jesus is going to come back, and that will be like the miracle, miracle grow, where all of a sudden the tree fully just sprouts up. That's what the kingdom of God is like. That's how the kingdom of God comes. That's how God raises up the humble who believe in Jesus. And we have to be crystal clear about what Jesus is doing now, has done in the past, and will do in the future in order for us to participate in the kingdom of God coming. For our lives are actually made for the purpose of bringing the kingdom of God. Our lives if we are following Jesus, are completely oriented around Jesus. I love how C.S. Lewis says this. He says, I believe in Christianity not because I see it, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. We actually see our entire lives and everything about us based upon what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus will do. Right? We're witnesses to what he has done in the past. We're witnesses that he brought the kingdom of God, that that seed had to die. Because we actually have sin, and this old world is broken. That this city is corrupt. That our friendships are messed up. That we don't trust one another. That we're going to wake up tomorrow morning anxious and worried. This 
world is broken. And this world actually had to die in order for something new to come. But we can't fix this world on our own. Only Jesus can. And it came through a humble place. He couldn't have done it just by conquering and reigning us because then we'd all be annihilated. It actually had to come through him going to the cross in a humble, insignificant way so that the seed could sprout up. But he was the first who rose from the dead, promising that all who follow after him will also rise with him. But until that day, he sends the Holy Spirit who grows us to be like him. So we're witnesses to his death and his resurrection in the past. And when we think about being a witness, right, what, what is a witness? What, what is that word? Where, can I get a witness? What, what does a witness mean? When do, we, when do we use that term? In the court of law. What's a witness in the court of law? They've seen it. Something's happened. They've seen it. Okay, when, it, when, when, when we're called, when Jesus is the one who literally tells us to be witnesses, what he's saying to the people is, hey guys, you've seen me do some crazy things, right? You're about to see me float, right? You've seen me actually die on the cross. You've seen me raised from the dead. You've heard me talk. You have seen me. It's a historical event. You're just talking about what you've seen and what you've heard. And so for all of us who are in Jesus, what we're simply saying is that Jesus really died and he really rose from the dead. And that's a historical event. And we're in the line because we trust these scriptures because we don't believe there actually could be another way that could make sense for the beginning of Christianity outside of that being true. We, we believe that witness. And we continue to witness to that veracity, to the truth of that. However, we don't just believe that it happened. We believe it's significant that it happened. We believe that we're now able to enter this new kingdom of God, this new resurrected life, this life where we actually can be free from anxiety, this life where we actually can trust one another, this life where we can have meaningful friendships, this life where we'll live in a city that's not corrupt. Can you imagine even talking about a governor and a mayor and saying wonderful things about them? Like, now, I can't even think about anything wrong with my president. Can you imagine that? Like, one day, we'll, we'll have a king, we'll say, I can't even think of anything wrong with my king. I love my king. Right? That's the life we're called to live in. And Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, has given us the ability to be saved into that. We're witnesses to the past, but in the present, we're empowered by his spirit. Literally, the spirit of Jesus dwells within us. He is fully given to us. And it's power that we have. He has not left us alone. We have his spirit. Where is Jesus right now? Well, we know he's ruling and reigning. But he's so present at Cornerstone UIC. He is in SCE 605 fully right now. He's in you. He's, he's here. Where's Jesus? He's here. His Spirit is here empowering us. There's no way we can do Cornerstone UIC without the Spirit of Jesus present. There's no way Cornerstone UIC makes sense without the Spirit of Jesus present. But we also know that this, it's like if he's, he's in the middle, he's in the middle of bringing the kingdom. He's in the middle of taking the humble and exalting them. And on that last day, he will come back again. And so you set your hope fully in the grace that we brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
if you still have that memorized after the last two sermons last semester, I will visibly give you three hugs. It's not that great of an incentive. I'll give you a compliment. But set your hope fully on that day because there will be a day when all will be renewed. And that causes us, knowing that Jesus will judge all people, that causes us to go out and be witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let me tell you something. Acts is all about Jesus bringing the kingdom, just like Luke is all about Jesus bringing the kingdom. See, the book of Acts actually has a, a, a tagline to it. It's written a couple centuries after Acts was written by Luke. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. Can I tell you something? I wish I could rename that. I wish I could rename it to the Acts of the risen Lord Jesus through his powerful Holy Spirit to his witness apostles going to the ends of the earth awaiting his imminent return. No? There was a visible groan, guys. <laughs> there was also a like, wait, are you serious? But that's a terrible, that will never catch one marketing class. Um, but, but think about it, you're going you're gonna to wake up to that, you're going to think, man, I think it should be renamed back to the risen Lord Jesus through his powerful spirit to his... Hang on, I didn't say it. <laughs> but we need to be super, super clear. For, for here's, here's the reality. Okay. You are part of an epic. We are part of an epic. We are part of the kingdom of God coming to UIC. Because the way Jesus wants to bring the kingdom of God to UIC right now is through his Holy Spirit in his apostles, in his witnesses. That's us. Right? Jesus has chosen not to be on earth doing that himself, but to be present here at UIC and wherever you graduate and go to through you by his Spirit. And that as we go and we witness, do you know that Jesus died and rose again? Do you know that actually because of that, there's salvation in him? That the kingdom of God expands and that lives are changed. To never believe the lie for a moment that you don't live into an epic. I don't know about you, but I really like watching Lord of the Rings. A lot. Like, I watch it a lot. Sarah and I both like it a lot. Get some popcorn and watch Lord of the Rings. I love imagining myself in Lord of the Rings. I love imagining myself in different epics. I don't know about you, but I just get ready to grab a sword and run into battle. Maybe just me. But I can sometimes believe that, man, what they get to do is more of an adventure, more exciting, more important than my monotonous life. That's not true if you're in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, don't believe that lie, and I'm serious here. Your labor, what we do here, matters. It is literally part of the kingdom of Jesus being brought here on campus. It's his way of doing it. See, here, here's the thing, okay? Jesus says to them, yes, I'm going to restore the kingdom, but he then shows them his way. If you were to tell Jesus, hey, I'd really like you to be this king and to do it this way, what would you tell him? Right, seriously, what would you tell him? They were expecting him to be the incredible Hulk who would then lead them into battle over Jerusalem and they would all get like magic horses and go and win. But that's how they wanted to bring the kingdom. But how do you want to bring the kingdom? 
But the reality is, Jesus says, this is how I want to bring the kingdom. I want to bring the kingdom by you witnessing about what I've done in the past. By you being empowered by the Spirit now as you await my return. And so that is our call. We have to be so clear on this call. And friends, I, I so desire that this semester we would see the kingdom of God expand. I so pray for it that we would just get hooked on the reality that when we actually witness the past of what Jesus has done, by the power of the Holy Spirit, people come to know the Lord and that matters for their eternity. And that they actually come and on that last day they'll be with Jesus. Can I just tell you one quick story before we end? Okay, whether you say yes or no, we're going to do it. Okay, the first baptism that ever happened in anything Cornerstone related was a guy named Hyungu. Hyungu was a, a, a guy studying at the University of Chicago. Uh, he was actually a postdoctoral dude studying at the University of Chicago, so I always felt really intimidated by how smart he was. And uh, Hyungu was, uh, was studying from Korea, didn't speak English very well, but he was invited while well, he was at the University of Kansas for about six weeks only six weeks there, he was invited by his boss asking him, hey, Hyungu, what are you doing on Sunday mornings? And Hyungu said, um, I don't know, I'm free. And then his boss said, well, do you want to come to church with me? And Hyungu was like, ah, shoot, is that free? So he said, yes, he had no desire to go to church. <laughs> and so we went to church because his boss asked him to. And then something happened. He was intrigued by how people cared for one another. And his boss began to study the Bible with him. And I ended up having a connection with his boss, so he emailed me saying, hey, would you continue studying the Bible with Hyungu? So this was actually literally four and a half years ago when Sarah and I just moved to Chicago. We didn't really know almost anyone at this point, so I actually began to study the Bible with him and showing him in the scriptures who Jesus was and being excited about that. And Hyungu and I had some really good conversations as he pushed back on some of his questions and some of his concerns and some of his skepticism. But he was so interested that we began to actually meet twice a week, and he had to leave in about four weeks back to Korea to be back with his wife and his new child. And one day, we were sitting in the middle of University of Chicago's campus, and he looked at me and he said, Nate, can I ask you a question? I said, of course, young dude, what's your question? He said, why are you a Christian? What I said was, well, I, I believe that Jesus really was a person that he really died and that he really rose again. I don't think that there's any other way to explain a lot of the historical events surrounding that time period without that fact. Um, but, but I also believe that that really matters because I know that in my heart, I've messed up. I've done a lot of things wrong. And I know I really need to be forgiven. And I know that what Jesus says, because he died and he rose again, is that I can actually be forgiven. And it feels like the only thing that can satisfy my heart. And he looked at me and he said, that was a good answer. And then he took about 30 seconds and he said, Nate, how can I become a Christian? And I just wrote out a little prayer for him. And we prayed it together, asking him to surrender his life to Jesus. Saying, Jesus, your way. I want to follow you as my king. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And he took it and he said, I'm going to pray this every night. 
And about three weeks later, Hyunbu was baptized in the backyard in the House Hill Park. And then he began to go to church and bring his wife to church when they moved to Korea. We've kept in touch until actually two years ago when we stopped keeping in touch. You know, I like him. I'm sure he's doing great. It's just been a while. <coughs> but that's the kingdom of God growing. And that's the ministry that you're called to and that we're called to is to be witnesses to the past, to simply share Jesus died and rose again. And this means salvation under the power of the Holy Spirit awaiting Jesus' return. You know what sometimes I think about? Sometimes I think about what would it be like for me to walk into the kingdom of God on that last day when Jesus returns and who opens the door is younger and his wife and his kids. What would that be like for me to see that? So I want Aaron to come on up here and really pray for us that as we study the book of Acts that we would see this kind of salvation, this kingdom growing. So Aaron, can you pray for us? Why don't you stand with us?